Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back. Um, the call we did yesterday, oh my, <laughs> the show we did yesterday, Do we have a lot of interesting emails as a result. Some of you have finally awoken, and I don't mean that in a liberal sense, <laughs> to the fact that you really are ill-prepared to be competitive in this real estate market. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that so many of you were willing to admit your lack of preparedness that certainly takes a high level of business maturity to admit the fact that you are not completely prepared for the uh, hopeful uh, – and I'm, hey, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, um, thank you. So you're not, com- you're not completely prepared to compete. You're not completely prepared even to win the listing of your centers of influence and past clients. One of the emails I got in particular, which I really appreciated, I always love it when you guys trust us enough to be completely bullshit-free when you're communicating with us. Because that's how we try to be with you. I feel like we can have these honest exchanges and open conversations about the things that really matter. I was talking with Julie about that yesterday, and I feel myself on this podcast, and I know Julie does as well. We're giving ourselves permission to even be more uh, direct and honest with all of you. We have, I think, maybe start last year or the years before. We've been doing this podcast for a long time. We may have held ourselves back a little bit for fear of um, the backlash uh, because our our opinions are not necessarily going to be the ones that are the popular ones, right? So Julie and I are going to say what we see is the truth based on what's best for you long term in terms of building wealth. So our true north and our you know our philosophy has been in essence you're doing this business because your goal is to be rich, where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. In order for that to happen, you're going to have to serve thousands of people at an incredibly high level. So we're not confused about a profit motive. And some of you are, and some of you, because you are, have really made it so you don't make any profit. You confuse yourself with all this branding and building teams and mega teams and extension teams and doing all this pay-per-click and all these other things. You're focused on the wrong number on your balance sheet, if you even have one. You're not focused on your net profit. And let me tell you, it's an easy mistake to make. You know, Julie and I have sometimes meandered away from our own true north with regards to basically the formation of our own business. It's an easy mistake to make. So we're all coming out of these business, and, and businesses run in cycles. Uh, essentially, what works might work for like two, three, maybe five years, and then you've got to reset everything. You've got to repivot, and which means sometimes you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to analyze what your expenses are and the rest of it. But what the, the, the topic of yesterday's uh, podcast And the reason I think it resonated with so many of you is because you are finally realizing that you have a massive skills gap. And that skills gap is costing you more, vastly more money than you can possibly even fathom. And so I had a great email from someone who is one of these accidental business types. In other words, they get all their business from their centers of influence and past clients, which is, you know, I, I'm saying it in a salacious way to grab your attention, but if your business is dependent on accidental uh, lead sources like, hey, the Centers of Influence actually emailed me, the past client responded to the meat thermometer I dropped off or whatever, you know, the tchotchkes. 
So if you are somebody who basically is dependent on the accidental business model, i.e. only centers of influence and past clients, you probably have an inflated sense of your skill set, and it won't be until you get knocked on the mat in a truly competitive environment where do you realize that. And you will rationalize and make excuses for your failure to be able to successfully compete by saying, oh, that other agent beat me because they overpriced it. Oh, the other agent beat me because they cut the commission. Oh, the other agent beat me because they probably had some sort of personal connection to the seller. No, the other agent beat you because the seller thought the other agent was better than you because you don't know how to compete. Now, the email I got from this particular agent was expressing that they had that same experience on, a, on an appointment with a long-term center of influence and past client person. They went on this listing appointment. They thought they had it in the bag. They were not, you know, they had this little sketchy listing presentation This little that works with centers of influence and past clients. They are showing up and doing all the, I'm your friend, you're my friend, here's a picture of my dog, here's a picture of your dog. This typical way that a low-skilled salesperson or a low-skilled real estate agent tries to sell, Okay. That's the low-skilled approach to real estate. And then they lost the listing to an agent who the seller had no previous contacted with, contact with other than basically seeing this agent have uh, quite a few sales signs for sales signs and sold signs in their particular neighborhood. So this, this, for the first time, when that agent listened to our podcast yesterday, they realized that they had been lying to themselves about why they don't take listings, and they're now this agent in particular was now realizing that they, they need to not only work their centers of influence and past clients, but they actually need to take uh, seriously the idea that in a changing market, the sellers are not just going to list with you because they like you. They're not just going to list with you because you give them a bunch of crap, you know, pumpkin pies and you know, Easter baskets and forget-me-not seeds and all these other tchotchke things. They're not just going to list with you because they're friends with you or because they went to high school with you or because you know them from church, synagogue, or mosque. They're going to, in a changing market where they're not confident the house will sell itself. Are you listening to me, uh, podcast listeners? They're going to list with who they feel is the most qualified to get the house sold. That's going to be the agent that knows how to present. That's going to be the agent that has a pre-listing pack. That's going to be the agent that knows how to overcome objections. That's going to be the agent that has a professional approach. That's going to be the agent that knows how to pre-qualify. That's going to be the agent that knows how to price. That's going to be the agent that knows how to create a competitive CMA, not just a CMA. You know, a lot of you don't even know what that means. That's going to be the agent who knows how to actually deal with sellers who have unrealistic uh, pricing expectations, or as we are fond of saying they have aspirational pricing you guys get the point i know some of you do because i read the emails from yesterday's show if you did not listen to yesterday's show you need to go back and listen to yesterday's show julie can you uh, remind me what the title of yesterday's show was i don't even remember yeah, so they can it. search it yeah so look i appreciate the fact that some of you guys are uh, have enough business maturity to be willing to not wait for failure before you are willing to enact change because what weak people do is they don't change until something happens that forces them to change smart people it's it goes back to the old chinese proverb i think i mean isn't every isn't every bit of wisdom doesn't always isn't it always uh, predicated with it's a chinese proverb who knows if this is a chinese proverb i don't know if it is or not but it's a great saying Smart people learn from their mistakes. Brilliant, mistake, brilliant people learn from the mistakes of others. I think that's really important. So you've got to be honest with yourself about what you know and what you don't know. You've got to be honest with yourself about what you're, you know, look, chances are 
you are not even a tenth of good as good as you think you are. That's the truth. That's the truth for me too and Julie. I mean all of us can always get better. That is our prerogative. That is how we're designed to always want to improve. But some of you, that's not the case, is it? You know? <laughs> I had I this was years ago, but I was this was hilarious. Julie and I went to a Howard Brenton conference in Colorado and it was a star retreat, right? And some of you guys know what that is, it doesn't matter if you don't. And there were uh, I, there was a table discussion going on about centers of influence and past clients. And I was sitting at this table in the group of people at this table, and these were supposedly, you know, realtors that had their shit together. The group of them were literally masterminding on where the best place was to buy pumpkin pies in terms of what they tasted like, in terms of the size of the pumpkin pie. That was what they thought was a really high-level use of their time during a mastermind session at that event. I could not believe it. And needless to say, they didn't want me at their table anymore after I pointed that out, because of course I did. So guys, there's the point. Just think about these things. Seriously, take, uh, you know, don't take for granted the opportunity you have for yourself. When I look at some of our best coaching clients, the ones we've always had, they always start out with a little bit of you know, starting and stopping. They start and stop with their motivation. Start and stop with doing what they don't want to do and they don't want to do it at the highest level. They start and stop with doing the real work in the business. But once they stop, they usually it, the, the, start, the time between stop and start gets longer and longer and longer. The key to ever-increasing levels of long-term success is going to be doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level consistently. I had a great, I mean, a, a coaching call right before the podcast today. His magic number is 15 listings at all times. His magic number on, so we track three numbers with him, uh, actually four. How many listing appointments did he set from the last coaching call? His goal is to set three or four per week. The next thing we, uh, we track is how many listing contracts does he have signed that aren't yet active? And we determine that number has to be at least five because his magic number of listings is um, 15, number of listings he has to have active at all times is 15, in order for him to have eight pending at all time. So that was the whole spectrum of what he and I track on our coaching calls. So when we have our coaching calls, I'm always writing down and asking him, well, how many appointments did you set from your proactive lead generation? How many have you signed but aren't yet active? Maybe the seller's prepping the house, the pictures are getting done. You know, what's coming up next in the inventory? Then I ask him, how many active listings do we have? How many pendings do we have? And then the last category that we track, he's actually going to start tracking it this month, is he's writing down what the gross commission was and what his net profit was. Okay? Now here's what's really cool. His net profit in his business, after the broker split, because his broker takes 10%, his net profit is probably about 86%. He has his only staff are uh, TCs. He has a transaction coordinator. He uses trusted TC, by the way. And then on the other side of it, when he takes a new listing, he's got somebody that ramps his listing up, and she charges uh, 300 bucks. So she does everything. So as soon as the listing contract's signed, the file goes to her, and she does everything. So his whole business is built on uh, – he does the occasional buyer, but his whole business is based on that cycle of focusing on listings, and he has an incredibly profitable business. So when his personal – like he has right now – closed year to date something like a quarter million dollars that he's already closed okay that's not including his pendings so you can see where he's going to probably earn around a million dollars this year that's to him by the way and i've been coaching him personally for five years i think 
I have another coaching client. Here's another example. We track the exact same numbers. And he is going to, this year, this one coaching client, he's going to close probably 100 and I bet you he might get to $120 million, maybe even more, this year. Five years ago, he wasn't selling real estate. Now he's selling over 100, you know, it's going to be easily over 100 million based on the volume he's already got going on. This is what happens when you're willing to be held accountable to numbers. I had someone say to me in the email the other day, I'm a top producer. Top producers don't like being held accountable. They like to basically, you know, they hold themselves accountable. That's one of the, you know, earmarks of someone who's a really top producer. Bullshit. The more successful you are, the more external accountability you need in order to stay successful. That's the truth. When you look at the most successful people on the face of the planet, they all have coaches. They do. They all have people that are essentially pointing out the little nuanced differences between what they're doing right and what they're not doing right. It's that external accountability that they're willing to listen to despite the fact that they think they're badasses. That's the difference between somebody who's going to be successful like the two gentlemen I just told you about and somebody who's basically going to have success now and then where it's going to be fleeting. I think these are thoughts all of you need to be having, and I appreciate you. I appreciate those of you who actually ingest this and realize what we're saying is true, because it is the truth. It's the bottom line. There's no amount of you know, pay-per-click gimmicks you're going to do, no amount of Facebook ads, no amount of anything that you're going to do that is ever going to be as impactful as essentially being willing to be uh, accountable to specific numbers in your business. Julie, you have any thoughts on this? Well, I mean, isn't that the definition of a real business is real accountability? If it was a job job and you worked at a corporation, you would be reporting your numbers to the CFO. The CFO would report to the CEO. There would be actual accounting in a, quote, real business. I think that a couple of things happen is egos develop as they get more and more successful, and they start to think that it's just natural talent and that they're going to ride on that, and, you know, everything's going to be roses forever. It's easy to do that as you get more and more successful, especially if you do have some inclination or normal talent towards it. But that's not running a real business. That's, you know, it's lack of business maturity at the end of the day to not want that accountability. Look at all the most successful choose your category, people in sports, people in the arts. Everybody has somebody holding them accountable. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's what gets down to coaching. But really great coaching has versatility to it as well. And it's not going to be a cookie-cutter thing for every person. The clients that you mentioned, you know, the way you were coaching them year one, I'm sure was different than how you're coaching them year five. Things change. You've got to have that flexibility and versatility from the coach's standpoint too. So I'm with you on all of that. And, you know, I love your stories that you share with them of the results you get from accountability. Totally different than just counting on the real estate gods taking care of you and, you know, the luck deals, as we've been referring to them, just past clients, center of influence and referral. The accidental business. I like that. I thought of that the other day. Accidental business. I'll tell you – yeah. I'll tell you guys another funny little story, and this doesn't have anything to do with selling real estate, but it's true. One of my best friends is uh, a former Marine, and he also works with the Navy SEALs. And he uh, basically, long story short, I invited him many, many times to go to Orange Theory just because I want to see what somebody at that level will do at Orange Theory. Well, on his own, he goes to Orange Theory. Now, he always said to me, I got my own workout. I do my own thing. I got to the gym. I do my own thing. I don't necessarily blah, 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 blah. I don't need outside accountability. I'm thinking to myself, 
you look like you're in great shape, and you are probably a badass, so I'm not going to question. So on his own, he goes to Orange Theory, and he texts me the other day and said the Orange Theory workout was like, you know, he didn't give it an actual, you know, ten times harder, but he said it was harder than when he was doing uh, when he was working out by himself. And that I didn't, you know, grind him, though I will when I see him in real life <laughs> in text. But the lot, reality though. of it is. Yeah, but the reality of it is, is the reason that he worked out harder in an environment where there was a coach who was actually watching what you were doing, even for someone like him, who is absolutely a stud, he was working out, he was holding himself back because he was the only one holding himself accountable. When you are the only person holding yourself accountable, you're going to have a tendency not just to listen, but believe your own bullshit. Oh, I'm tired. I need to give myself a break. Oh, I've got enough money coming in. Oh, I've got to, you know, oh, blah, blah, blah. If you have somebody external holding yourself accountable and that coach is good, they're going to hear you say these little, you know, success-destroying things, and they're going to hold you out. They're going to – look, a great coach is not going to be focused on your mindset. A great coach is not going to give you a bunch of platitudes about the universe bringing you what you want. A great coach is not going to tell you that there's shortcuts. They might show you how to save time and effort and make your skill set better, but they're not going to essentially you know, tell you to build dream boards and just sit around and meditate and focus on you know, all these other touchy-feely things that are so popular right now. You, know, you guys understanding what I'm saying? I know not all of you are, but I know like 10% of you are. So – Here's the deal. Yesterday on this walk, Julie said to me that she's tired of me being in her office so much. <laughs> I know this is a strange pivot, but this is what happened. So she told me that she thinks I should take on five additional coaching clients. That's what she said. She, says I, she said, quote, I'm not busy enough, which I thought was hilarious. Because she's probably right. You know, She's holding me accountable to how I'm using my time. See, I'm not being a hypocrite, folks. So I told her that I would look for five uh, personal coaching clients so that I could be a little bit busier and stay out of her hair. So if you guys would like to have me as your personal coaching client or as your personal coach, I want you to email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com, tim at timandjulieharris.com. Now, be careful. I mean, hopefully long-time po- podcast listeners, you know what you're signing yourself up for. So tim at timandjulieharris.com if you want to talk to me about being your own personal coach. All right, so Julie and I are going to be talking today and tomorrow about, and Julie, I renamed this podcast. We're, we're calling yes. it Proven Mega Agent Success Schedule, Daily Success Secrets. So what we're going to do is this, this is a very to- a popular topic. We're going to be talking about exactly how to manage as much as you can. Managing time is kind of a myth, but we're going to talk about the ideal schedule for how you can get the most uh, out of your day. So without any further delay, my dear. Yes, well, thank you for that ramp up. And, you know, when we do these topics, we like to start out with a mindset check-in. So the point number one is often mindset-oriented, and in this case, it's the same. Mindset, you have to get your head straight before you work on anything else. Have you actually decided that this will be your best year ever? Have you decided that? Or are you waiting to see how it goes? Have you decided it's going to be your best quarter, your best week, your best day, maybe even your best hour? You have to be in control and define what that actually means. So no more dabbling or getting ready to get started. You must decide that you are going to be in control. So before we get to creating your ideal uh, daily schedule, here's an introspective question to get you going on this. What was your best day ever in real estate? Now, if you just got your license and you haven't had a best day yet in real estate, 
What was your best day in business? Maybe you came from a corporate environment. Maybe you did something else before real estate where you can say, you know what, when I was really rocking and rolling, it was because of this. So what was your best day? How did it happen? How can you recreate that result? What caused it? So study your own success. All of you have something you can point to with that, right? <coughs> sorry, I missed my mute button there. <coughs> Give me a second, Tim, sorry. That's all right. So, and if you haven't, if basically some of you I'm come, uh, you maybe <laughs> okay. will have to reach back depending on your age. You'll have to think about when was the day that you felt the most productive? When was the day where you felt like you got the most done? When was the day at the end of the day you felt the most proud of yourself? Right? That's what Julie's talking about. Well, so was that because you were following a specific nutrition plan? Were you working out more uh, regularly? Were you keeping a journal, using calendar reminders, being held accountable by outside forces? Was it when you had a coach? Was it when you were getting up at the same time every day? What was it about that ideal day or ideal week or your best month ever? You can probably identify that. And in most cases, you're going to say, well, gosh, I wonder why I got away from that. But identify it in the first place. So that was all point number one, getting your head straight. And now we're going to talk about some specific daily minimum standards to get your ideal schedule going. And your ideal schedule is supposed to create profitability. Point number two, your whiteboards have to be updated daily. Now, we drill down and are very specific in Premier Coaching and, of course, in our elite coaching about keeping your whiteboards. Keep them cleaned off, posted with real numbers. You are to be tracking your magic number of listings, which is the total number of listings that you need to meet or achieve your goals. You're going to track your pendings. You're going to track your leads and your closed transactions. Yes, I know, of course, you can keep spreadsheets, and you've got pop-ups in your CRM telling you what to do, but nothing beats whiteboards. I had one of our premier coaching clients email me, uh, Chet from Huntington Beach, actually. I know he may be listening about the power that he's found in the whiteboards. He's tracking all these things. How many num uh, magic listings, I'm sorry, magic number of listings does he need? What he said was by visually tracking and seeing those boards on his wall, the white space on the board tells him what he needs to do. So some of you guys are at your magic number of listings and now you're managing all these active listings, that's great. But meanwhile, your pendings have dropped off. Others of you have tons of pendings. You've got more deals pending than you've ever had in your life, but because you're managing inspections and financing, now your active listings are dropping off. When you have that visual accountability, it is very obvious what you need to do every single day because it's the white space in the board. Maybe you're sitting with a lot of listings and no pendings. That tells you you need price reductions. So we talk about this a lot in coaching, but keep after your whiteboards. Point number three, prepare for success. Have your pre-listing package done, assembled, deliverable by hard copy, digital copy, and video, depending on how you're set up. But don't have to go recreate a pre-listing package every time you get a listing. You won't do it. Being realistic, you won't do it. And then you won't go after the more competitive listings because you'll feel like you're not prepared. So actually prepare for success. It's hard to hit your listing goals if you don't know how to actually list 100% of your appointments, right? If you're weak at pre-qualifying people and you find yourself with, you know, maybe not the right mixture of clients and prospects because you don't pre-qualify, prepare for success. Use real pre-qualification scripts. Print them. Put them in your briefcase, your car, your home office, your regular office. Have them everywhere. You're more likely to use them. Actually prepare for success. 
Point number four, your schedule. Here's a major point we could do a whole podcast on. Take control from the moment your alarm goes off. Get rid of the slacker button. That's called your snooze button. Make the commitment to not hit the slacker button. When you do that, first thing in the morning, okay, you have started the you day with call a it the bro- Hey, Julie, you should call it the broke yeah. button. That's better. The broke button. Yeah. It's the lazy button, the lazy bar, okay? Yeah, there you because go. Because <laughs> last night, you know, when you set that alarm, you said to yourself, I'm going to get up at the time my schedule calls for so I can have a productive day. And then the alarm goes off and you go, eh, maybe not this time. Nope, I'm going to start off by basically having BS'd myself. I'm not going to get up then. Now, I can tell you, those of you who have kids that you have to get on the school bus or drive to school, this is much less of an issue. Why is that? Because that's called external accountability. Aha. So create some external accountability. We have an Australian shepherd puppy that cannot sleep past a certain amount of time. Sleeping in is not an option with a five-year-old and Australian puppy and other things. So if you have to create that for yourself, whatever it takes. But those of you who are operating every day on a different schedule, you know, if it's Tuesday, I get to sleep in, and on Wednesday, I got to get my kid to school, and on Thursday, maybe if I have a listing appointment, you know, I'll get up early and prepare. That is not running a business. That's being a hobbyist. And your income probably reflects that hobbyist attitude of having hit that snooze button and not being consistent. I would say the same thing. Well, point number uh, five is related. Have a consistent start time and end time every day. It should not be a badge of honor to work until 11 o'clock at night and then grab a pizza. That's not normal. That's how you gain weight. That's how you don't get up in the morning. And that's how you run a slacker business. Run it as if somebody's watching you not to lead into coaching again, but you know, it does help to have that external accountability of knowing what's going on. I never forget having a closing with a broker whose name is Wendy. I will not give the last name, uh, but we had a deal going and this was a round table closing. And you know, this was when I was learning to have some discipline and some schedule, but I'll never forget. She showed up late, her hair, she had really long, pretty hair, but it looked like she'd been in a tornado that day. She had a file folder with stuff just falling out of it, shows up late, and had like this saying like, well, you know, I'm so sorry I'm late. I mean, I haven't even had lunch in three days. I've been working so hard. And I think in her mind, she thought that that was like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm such a professional broker or agent kind of look at me type of thing. And, you know, she actually is a really good broker. But I will never forget the look that her client at the closing table gave her. They kind of rolled their eyes and like, here we go again. She's late. It's not a badge of honor to run your business that way. Your badge of honor should be taking a great care of your clients, making each and every one of them feel like they are the only client you've got showing up early. What's the saying that uh, on time is late, early is on time? You know, have some accountability. So that starts with having a starting and ending time that is consistent. You will find peace in that. I think it's so much easier. I'll leave you with that point. I think we'll continue these tomorrow because I've got to actually get to Premier Coaching and take good care of my live coaching call. So back to you. That's right. So listen, listeners, um, in case you have forgotten, we have a live event that's coming up in a few days. 
I am so excited about seeing so many of you. There's about 100 of you, most of which are flying in from different parts of the country. It is going to be such an honor and a privilege to finally meet a lot of you in person. Some of you I've only known through the phone and through chats and through different groups and just virtually, and to meet people in real life. I have to say nine times out of ten I'm not surprised when I meet somebody. It's like my mind has already kind of figured out what you – like there's not like a, oh, my gosh, your voice doesn't match the person I'm looking at. You know, It's kind of these funny experiences where when you get to know somebody, you kind of get a sense sort of intuitively how they actually are in real life. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to finally, you know, closing those circles and on the relationships that we have with literally thousands of you. If you'd like to attend the event, um, this week we're giving away tickets, and you can attend for free. And if you want to attend for free, all you've got to do is text the word EXP event to 31996, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be sent a link. In that link at checkout, just put in the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, and your ticket is free. The event is taking place a little bit north of Austin, Texas. Some call it North Austin. I call it uh, Georgetown, where we live. So just text the word EXP event to 31996. It's Julie and I that are presenting and a bunch of other people, too. It's going to be a very intense event. Um, as you guys can imagine, we don't do lightweight anything, so the event itself is going to be back-to-back -back activity. There's not going to be any long, drawn-out sessions where you're going to have to listen to some know-it-all speaker drone on and on, myself included, I suppose. <laughs> it's going to be an event that's going to be truly focused on masterminding and delivering the most value to all of you. And, of course, thank you to our sponsors, EXP Realty and um, Mellow Home for sponsoring an event that's you know frankly makes it so that we can make the event very affordable if not free if you take advantage of and grab one of those free tickets by texting the word Harris uh, I'm sorry by texting the word EXP event to 31996 in the meantime if you're interested in having me personally coach you and I want you to be careful before you send me an email because if you think I'm intense on this podcast you can imagine how I am when I'm focused just specifically and solely on you but if you are ready, I want you to text, I'm sorry, email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, and I have to do what my external accountability coach Julie tells me to do and add five people to my schedule so I don't bother her so much during the day. So <laughs> email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. In the meantime, have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the show manana. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.